When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. To borrow a phrase from the hit TV show Game of Thrones, and now our watch is ended. Imani Bates, the generational prospect who had committed to play basketball at Michigan State, decommitting from the program last weekend. What went into the decision and what does it all mean for the Spartans? We will discuss that, plus the latest football news on episode 34 of MLive's Spartan Confidential Podcast. Brandon Champion here with Kyle Austin and Matt Wenzel on Thursday, May 6th, 2021. Uh, Kyle, welcome back to the program. Thank you. Thank you. You guys missed me last week. Of course. Yeah, of course. <laughs> what did you do instead? Uh, I probably, uh, I don't even know what I did. Trying, trying to figure out uh, recruiting for, for, for the summer and, and all sorts of stuff. Matt Wenzel is also here, probably feeling like he wasted three days of his life covering an NFL draft in which the team he covers had no one picked. But uh, how's it going anyways? Oh, fine. I think I wrote eight posts, nine posts on the Lions. So uh, that kept me busy the first two days. And then Saturday was seven hours sitting on the couch for nothing to happen. <laughs> and then writing about how nothing happened. So <laughs> the no news was, always. the no news was the news in that case. Yep. Uh, yeah, but, 80, 80 year streak is over. So uh, yeah, pretty wild. We'll, we'll get into that a little bit later. Um, but I want to jump straight into the Imani Bates news. Obviously this, uh, you know, this was something that we knew could happen. We've been speculating on it. Kyle's been telling Spartan fans not to hold their breath for weeks now. Um, and I think Michigan State fans kind of knew this was always a possibility, at least those that are being realistic. But Imani Bates making it official with a pretty, um, uh, I don't want to call it small, but uh, in cons- you know, it's just a really pretty basic Instagram post. And it sends shockwaves through the college basketball landscape. No longer verbally committed to play for Tom Izzo at Michigan State. Where he ends up, we don't really know, Kyle, but, I mean, you wrote about this this week. Uh, I know you're probably not surprised, but, uh, you know, what, what went into this decision, do you think, for Imani? Uh, well, I, none of us really know what went into it because they keep things close to the vest, but we could certainly speculate. That's what we're here for. Um, it's a podcast. That is what we're here for. Right. That's, <laughs> that's, what, that's what we're here for. So, I mean, the fact that he will not play for Michigan State does not surprise me at all. Um, some of the specifics of this Friday announcement do surprise me a little bit. You know, for one, I, I, I'm surprised he's decommitted. Um, I just assumed that we'd find out he's not going to Michigan State when he told us he's going to the G League or going to Australia or, or wherever he's going to go. Um, so the fact that he took the extra step of decommitting um, surprised me. I'm not really sure um, 
why that is, whether he wanted another, you know, some more coverage. Um, although, you know, he did it on a Friday at 5 p.m., which is usually when you're trying to bury news. Um, so maybe he did it for more coverage. Maybe maybe he wants to go through the recruiting process and be uh, and be wooed by a bunch of other colleges who probably have no shot of getting him. Um, I don't know. I don't know why he took that extra step. And, and it also came a little bit earlier than I thought. Um, you know, it was late April, the end of April. I, I thought this thing would be dragging out. It'd be all we'd talk about all summer. And we'd go into May and June and July and it'd all be Imani, Imani, Imani. And he kind of, he kind of killed it early. So um, those two things surprised me a little bit. I can't really explain either one of them, but um, you know, at the end of the day, it, it doesn't look like he's playing college basketball. And that was always the most logical thing to happen for me. Yeah. I mean, to me, this screams, you know, we see Texas and Tennessee and George Washington for crying out loud, sending <laughs> offers to, to Imani Bates. And to me, this just says he's not playing college basketball because, uh, you know, I, I know our guy, you know, Andrew did a story. Could Michigan be in play? Like, come on, like Imani Bates is not going to play college basketball at this point. I, if he was going to go, he was going to go to Michigan State. He's got the relationship with Tom Izzo. He talked about it over and over again. I don't see how that relationship could have soured since then. Uh, you know, the players, I know he's still tight with them. I see him interacting on social media. I don't see how, how that could have been a factor. To me, this just is like Michigan State, I don't want to – I committed. I gave you like, you know, several months of publicity for having me committed. It probably helped you in recruiting a little bit. Um, but now I'm going to let you off the hook. And be like, I'm not coming. Give you some clarity. And from a standpoint, a fan standpoint, obviously it's sad that we're never going to see Imani Bates in a uniform. But I was like, at least we have clarity now, right? We don't have to sit here searching Twitter every day. We don't have to sit here listening to every single rumor on the internet that this is happening or this is happening. We have clarity now. He's not going to play for Michigan State. It would have been great to happen. I'm still a fan of the kid and want to see where he ends up. But uh, the writing was pretty much on the wall. Yeah, and I'm trying to figure out if Michigan State really got anything out of this whole thing. Um, it certainly raised their profile, and I think there's value in them being the talk of college basketball last summer. Um, but you look at, you know, what happened after that, like it kind of was on the middle of a recruiting run, but like I don't think they got Max Christie because Imani Bates committed. And I don't think they got Jaden Aiken because Imani Bates committed. Enoch but, was the guy that you could have said right. that maybe he jumped on and then he, did, he decommitted And then they anyways. lost him. Right. Yeah. And now they don't have anybody for 2022, um, their next class, which would have been, you know, if he didn't reclassify, that would have been the Imani class. So, um, you know, maybe it, it got them more in the minds of some other guys who will commit in the future. I don't know. That, that's always tough to say. Um, but I'm not sure I see a huge boon for their recruiting when it's all said and done. Um, and, and the other benefit I thought this would have is, okay, he doesn't go to Michigan state. He goes and plays pro, but then, you know, if he turns into, you know, um, a guy who's in the league for a long time and a very high profile guy. And if he's got this Michigan state connection, and if he's like, um, if he's like LeBron cheering on Ohio state, uh, even though he never went there, or if he's like Kobe saying, I would have gone to Duke, you know, there would have been value in that years and years and years, um, down the road for Michigan state. Um, I guess that's still possible, but, you know, he did decommit. So I'm not sure if he's an NBA superstar in five years, if he's going to be cheering on Michigan State or talk about Michigan State. I don't know. So I do think that there, there may be some value in having it, but it's not nearly as much as I thought it would be um, when he first committed to them. I had originally maybe thought that, you know, obviously Jade Nakins left uh, Bates Fundamentals or left the school 
and now he's committed to Michigan State. And that obviously led to people speculating, oh, is there a rift between Jade Nakins and Imani Bates? And that's the reason he didn't come. I, I think that's kind of speculation or trying to push some, a narrative that I'm not sure is there. I, I see them interacting on social media. I see um, some people that are pretty in the know with recruiting. A couple former D1 athletes have told me, nah, there's, there's nothing to that. Uh, I mean, have you heard anything to, to give credibility to that idea? No, I don't think so. And, and I, 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 think, I think Imani Bates is making his decisions about his career and his people are making his decisions about his career way above, you know, something like that. I don't think that's that. I would be shocked if that's entering into the calculus, you know. <laughs> when, yeah, when, maybe, maybe they weren't the best of teammates, but I think that gets buried. And, and this is, trust me, there's a lot of thought and a lot of effort going by a lot of people going into how to manage Imani's career um, and what he's going to do next. And, and um, we can argue about whether that's being done correctly or incorrectly. I'm sure everybody has an opinion, but I, I guess I would be surprised if that entered into the calculus at all. Yeah. When you're a, when you're a generational prospect, number one recruit in America as a sophomore, um, I don't think you're taking into account what anyone else is doing quite honestly, because you're the, no. you're the, you're the, you're the gold medal. You're the standard that everyone's looking at. So, I mean, like, it's not like you need to base your decisions off what anyone else is doing. Cause you're going to be the number one priority regardless. Matt, did you have any thoughts on Amani decommitting? Nope. I think you guys covered it. I'll stick to football. Uh, you know, it's, uh, I don't know, interesting, but uh, again, not surprising in the least that he won't be playing uh, Michigan State. You well, get to the question. We had a question about it. Oh, uh, yes, we did. Good, good call, Kyle, there. Um, so uh, it wasn't an Amani question, which I was actually shocked by. I thought we That's were going to. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, what do you think about the potential for Rocket coming back? Uh, how likely and are you in favor? If not Rocket, how do you see Izzo using the scholarship? I guess they're working on money, but I, the point is that they definitely have two, two scholarships now with, without Amani coming. So I, I guess, first of all, I'd still be surprised if Rocket comes back. Um, I, I, you know, the, the fact that it's taken this long makes me think that uh, the portal experience did not, maybe not go exactly as he planned or hoped it would go. But um, I, I think it was last week he put out some cryptic, I'm shooting down the rumors tweet, um, which I took to mean, I'm not coming back to Michigan State. I don't know if you read it that way too, Brandon, but that seemed to be what he was referencing to me. Yeah, I, I can tell you that it. people were reading it both ways. <laughs> so that, right. that's um, cryptic. I, that's... There might have been other rumors from other schools. He's, he's going here, he's going there. I don't know. But the, the main rumor I mean, among here is that, oh, he's thinking about going back, and he seemed to shoot that down. But at the same time, you know, I, I had heard at one point that he, he was imminent to go somewhere else. Like he was announcing like the next day, and then it didn't happen. So – um, I, I'm curious about what's happening behind the scenes there, but I, I, I'd still be surprised if he comes back to Michigan State all, all this. I mean, I think all the reasons we talked about why he was moving on still stand. Um, and, you know, maybe he maybe he doesn't quite have the market that he thought, but somebody's still going to – some good program is still going to want to take him because they're going to see his upside and, and his moments of greatness and think that they can, they can make something out of him. So that's my opinion. I'd still be surprised. And – so would, I, so would I. Yeah. Sorry, just to jump in on Rocket no, there go, for go, a sec. Go. Um, you know, obviously we heard that Florida State and Louisville were big on him to start, but they've been scooping in guys through the portal elsewhere. Um, and then I, you know, I, I saw a report that UConn was in on Rocket Watts, which I thought would be an interesting landing spot in the Big East. Um, I know Xavier was after him, but then Paul Scruggs, their sort of playmaking 
guard combo guard decided to return for another season. So I feel like that kind of took them off the table. I, you know, obviously I'm not super tuned into this stuff and transfer stuff, but like with, with, I wonder just with the portal and how much movement there actually is with guys like filling spots where one second you could think that, Oh, they have an opening at the guard spot. Then it gets filled. So then some guy who didn't commit and waited a little bit too long is looking elsewhere. It's like the craziness of the portal might be actually delaying the commitment for some of these guys because no, like I, situations are changing so quickly. I mean, it's music, it's a big game of musical chairs, yeah. you know, and um, the other beyond the portal, you know, a lot of these coaches are wondering about some of their NBA guys, you know, is so-and-so going to declare, they declare, they're trying to get a read. Are they going to come back or not? Um, so I, I think a lot of these coaches are just having kids sit tight because they don't know what their roster is going to look like, or, um, there might still be more kids entering the portal. And so it's, um, I, I feel for coaches right now, because I, I think it's really hard to build a roster right now. And it's trickling down to the kids because I, I think a lot of kids, um, some of them jumped on spots early or super high level kids or, I mean, they're going to find spots, but a lot of kids, I think coaches are telling them to wait and see. Um, and it's just not just Rocket Foster sitting out there too. And if you look in the portal, there's a lot of kids that are still sitting out there and hopefully they all land. Uh, but I'm afraid some of the, for some of them, the portal won't go as they thought. And, and, you know, you look at Michigan state, like that's an example. They got two scholarships right now. And, you know, I think a lot of people from the outside would look and say, Oh, they should be looking at portal kids and taking, you know, taking two more portal kids and filling it out. Well, I haven't seen them connected to a kid from the portal in, weeks you know i as far as i've seen i haven't seen any contact between them and i i think uh hopefully we get to talk to tom is soon but it seems like the philosophy is they want to hold on to those spots and have the flexibility if something comes you know uh, comes available later in the year or if they want to use it on a recruit so um some of these programs might just not want to completely fill out their rosters and that's going to cost kids too so it's it's a lot of uncertainty. I, I think the immediate eligibility is overall a good thing, but there's certainly some, um, some challenges that come with it too. Yeah. I mean, it's a whole new ball game. I mean, the landscape of college basketball, particularly in recruiting is completely different than it was even a year ago. So, I mean, the, these programs are kind of navigating waters that they haven't spent any time in. And it, it, like anything with rule changes in any sport, there's always these unforeseen consequences or like, you know, you know, it's not really related, but remember a couple of years ago, they moved the three point line back. And then we saw like guys stepping on the baseline or stepping out of bounds all the time because they were used to finding their spot based on where the three pointer was. And like, that's just, that's not recruiting, but that's just like some, an example of like, we made this change and then, Oh crap, we didn't realize this was going to happen because of it. Yeah, and it's funny because at Michigan State, the guys were so thrown off by that that they were taking, like, two big steps behind the line to take it. So if you remember early in that season, all Michigan State's um, threes were from, like, three feet farther back than before, and their, and their percentage was terrible. So in their practice gym, Tom Izzo that year actually put down another line. It was like a red line, and it was right outside the new three-point line. And the rule was if you take a three-pointer, your feet have to be on this line. So he was trying to get them back up closer to it, but it was a whole boondoggle. Um, yeah, I mean, they're trained to not yeah. have their feet on a line. So it's like, what right. are we doing here? Um, but sorry, um, that was kind of a tangent, but just an example of, of unintended, unintended consequences. For no, and there, there's always going to be. So uh, for Michigan State, you know, maybe they take another guy. I, I think they, they could use another wing. I, I seem to be in the minority in that opinion, but I, I really only see, you know, Max Christie, Gabe Brown, and Pierre Brooks as they're really – 
true wings. Some of those point guards are going to play off the ball too. And maybe Malik Hall slides a little bit, but really only three true wings, two of them are freshmen. I, I think another body there could help, but um, they don't seem to be in a hurry if that's part of the plan. Well, we'll keep an eye on it. The never-ending saga of Imani Bates uh, <laughs> continues. Where will Imani go next? The whole world is watching and waiting. Uh, but it really is truly going to be fascinating to see how this kid's career uh, plays out. I mean, he's obviously been on Sports Illustrated. He's, you, know, you mentioned earlier, he maybe wanted some more coverage. I'm like, if there's anyone in the world who needs more coverage less, it's Imani Bates. <laughs> but uh... I, I thought the same thing, but I reached out to a couple people after that, and, and multiple people said, like, yeah, it's probably for attention i'm thinking really but that's what people people i think know stuff uh said so who knows we'll keep an eye on it we'll obviously keep an eye on any sort of player movement with the basketball team but we are firmly in the off season uh for college basketball <laughs> and uh probably for football too but it's like you know i was talking to uh you know will hunter does a podcast for on the uh, popular Spartan Twitter follow. He's like, yeah, trying to create daily content for a Michigan State podcast in May is not easy. I'm like, yeah, we can barely do it for a weekly, but luckily we get random news popping up uh, here and there. Um, So thank you, Imani, for that. But uh, let's move on to football. Uh, Matt, uh, as he's mentioned several times, spent uh, several hours of his life eating leftover chicken, watching the NFL draft, uh, in which the Michigan State Spartans had their 80-year streak snapped. Shakur Brown, their leading uh, draft hopeful, was not picked, uh, despite spending like the entire third day as the best available on most draft boards. What was your reaction to the streak getting snapped, Matt? I mean, it wasn't uh, – it's not something that was completely unexpected, but uh, still a bit of a surprise. Um, especially with Shakur. I mean, I wasn't surprised Antoine wasn't picked. I wasn't really surprised Naquan wasn't picked. Uh, but Shakur, you know, this is a guy that was, you know, he's in every mock draft. McShay and uh, – not McShay, I'm sorry. Kuiper and uh, Daniel Jeremiah both had him as like about a fourth-round pick. See a future at nickel. But, no, I mean th- – <clears throat> excuse me. What surprised me is there were 39 cornerbacks taken, and he wasn't one of them. Um, and, and, you know, this, these guys are going off the board late – late Saturday, you look, start looking up some of the career stats for these guys that are picked. And it's like, all right, that, that's a surprise. This guy had zero um, pass breakups and zero interceptions in four years of college. Uh, and then he just got drafted. Um, you know, Shakur's height in you know, a little under five ten, that four, six and change he ran on the 40, obviously didn't help him. Um, still a little bit of surprise, but it was about eight seconds after the draft was over and it was announced he was uh, signing with the uh, Steelers as a free agent. Uh, Naquan went very quickly to the the Titans so both of them found landing spots uh haven't seen one for Antoine yet um but hopefully he gets a, sh- a shot to uh, uh make a roster this uh, summer you would think he'd at least get a look or maybe the CFL comes calling <laughs> yeah I mean he he's a guy that could that could get his way on a, a special teams you know a way to get onto a, a roster I think is, is probably his best option but it looks like it's gonna probably at this point in time if he hasn't been signed um uh, you know, it'll be probably a tryout situation for him. So, um, yeah, the streak is over. Uh, first time since 1940, uh, when there hasn't been a Michigan State player taken, which, uh, you know, that the, the program had a lot of pride in that streak. Um, but, you know, it, it came close to ending recently. You know, Brian Allen was the only guy in 18, and he came out in the fourth round a little bit earlier. I think most people had him. Uh, but you go back to 2010, you know, they got into the seventh round. They went real deep and only had one pick. The year before, 
Uh, Javon Ringer was their only guy. It was the fifth round. So, you know, they've, they've kept it together. It's held on, but um, yeah, it's over. So USC and Michigan, 83 years each now. And and those are the, uh, the two programs that uh, have the uh, lead. And of course, Michigan fans uh, did not miss the opportunity to remind Sparties that uh, their streak is over and our streak is still going. It's been a precarious year when it comes to streaks for Michigan state. They at least extended the, uh, the um the tournament streak although i see michigan fans saying michigan state's first round tournament streak was snapped like that's just trolling obviously but uh i mean how much does it matter that the streak was snapped or is it just sort of like a point of pride that the program you know it's still a point of pride they had 80 years in a row but you know logistically it doesn't really matter no, I mean, it's going to be up to Mel Tucker and his staff to prove that they can put guys in the NFL from here on out. So that, that will matter more than, than a one year um, without having a guy picked. So obviously it doesn't help. Um, doesn't look good when, when you don't have anybody selected, especially when you have a guy like Shakur, who is a, you know, first team all Big Ten guy, Walter Camp, second team all American. Um, and you've got these NFL connections on your staff and the guy doesn't get picked. Um, and there are 39 other corners that do get selected. So that's not a good look. But, uh, you know, they'll have to prove that they can do it uh, and put guys in the NFL. And uh, unfortunately for them, when you look at next year, there is not anybody on that roster you say is that's a guaranteed draft pick. So, I mean, there are guys that you, you say, well, if they have a big senior year, that'll get them up there. You have guys that you say big, big season this, this fall and, and they can declare early. Guys like uh, Jaden Reed or Jalen Naylor. Um, and I, I post a story about this on Monday and you know, the list of these guys, but there is nobody you look at on that roster and say, guaranteed they're going next year. Can I make a not, not too hot take? Go for it. What an indictment of the end of the Mark Antonio era, you know, mm-hmm. like, like they get, they get to the heights, they get to the college football playoff, they win big 10 titles. They have so many dudes and draft picks and, um, you know, by the end, you, you can't, you, there's nobody drafted. I mean, it, to me, it's just another reminder of how starkly that program fell off. And, and that's not, I mean, how starkly it fell off at the end. You know, obviously the tenure overall was still very successful, but um, just what, how downhill it went in the last couple of years of that. And it's kind of a shame for Mel Tucker because the end of the draft streak is technically on his watch, but I don't, I don't put it on him at all. You know, no. he had, he had one off. He had one COVID off season. Um, he had very few of his guys in there. You know, if in two or three years they're not getting dudes drafted, it's on him. But um, to me, that was kind of Mark D'Antonio letting things slip, and then kind of put, and that ended up going on Mel Tucker's record. Yeah, I mean, we've known for a while that the talent in the program has been less than expected. Let's just say that. I mean, you look at recruiting classes, you look at the results on the field. Um, just from a pure athletic talent standpoint, I mean, they, it just wasn't there. And, and that's exemplified by the fact that they didn't have anyone drafted this year. And it's also exemplified by the fact that Mel Tucker is in the, is in the portal trying to bring in this talent and veteran talent that he can bring in or even young talent to try and upgrade just the overall raw skill on the roster. Um, so we'll see. I mean, I'm not going to rule it out. We've seen guys have big years before. I mean, Zach Wilson, for example, who was he before last year? I mean, he was obviously a, a well-thought-of quarterback prospect, but three-star kid, went to BYU, explodes this last year, and all of a sudden he's the face of the New York Jets. So, I mean, we, we uh, Joe Burrow kind of came out of nowhere for crying out loud. So, you know, those are quarterbacks, but we've seen guys have big seasons and translate that into an NFL draft pick. So, uh, we'll have to watch it throughout the season, but it is kind of a, a storyline. We definitely don't want to be starting a new streak 
which is two straight years without a player drafted. That would not be uh, a great look. But um, let's see. We got some football questions here. I'll work one in here. Uh, Post-spring ball and portal, which Spartan football players do you think need to break through now or in early fall, or they will likely never? Uh, you know, and this guy, our question mentions Chase Klein, Brandon White, Wright, Zach Slade, and Trenton Gillison. Yeah, I mean, there's – I think you've seen with the, with the portal departures, a number of those guys that would fit that list um, are gone, even some of them who wouldn't be on that list because they haven't even played and they're, you know, coming off their first season. But, you know, just addressing the, the four guys he puts in there. Chase Klein, you know, he's, that's an interesting one. I mean, he was their number three linebacker last year, uh, one of only two linebackers who's taken a defensive snap who, who was back and was kind of in line to be a starter. But now you don't know with – with the, uh, the transfers, the three committed linebackers they have coming in, it'll be interesting to see where he fits in that mix. Uh, Brandon Wright, I, I wouldn't put him in that category because he, he's making the switch from, from running back to defensive end. And so he's, that's, you pretty much need to reset the clock on a guy like that when you, when you go from make that much of a change in position. Zach Slade, yeah, I mean, that's fair. The guy's, you know, three years in, he hasn't played in a game, but he redshirted and he lost his – he was lost for the whole next year due to a knee injury, I believe. And then he didn't play last year. And now there's a lot of depth at defensive end. So that's, that's tough. Um, And Trenton Gilson. Yeah. I mean, it's it's fair to kind of put him there. You know, he's a guy we've seen flashes of, but never really been, you know, the, the pinstripe bowl. Yeah. Yeah. He had that long, long catch that game. And you thought, all right, here you go. Something for the future. And, he just, you know, we haven't seen it. We haven't seen the consistency. And he's, you know, he's got the size, he's got the athleticism, but, you know, with Matt Dotson not coming back, um, you know, there's definitely a chance for him to, to show this is his position. I mean, if you keep, if they keep running, uh, no offense, but, you know, if, if you keep putting walk-on converted punters slash kickers out there over, <laughs> over these guys, you know, you, you just wonder what, what's going on. Um, yeah. and then, well, you know, I think Cam yeah, Allen. It, Cam Allen has got. Well, that's the thing. That's so you, you mentioned, you know, he mentions Gillison. I I would say you throw um, Adam Burkhorst and, and and Parks Kissinger in that mix as well. I mean, Burkhorst, the guy who played both his first two seasons, he has zero catches. He was used more of a blocker. Kissinger is a guy who's gone back and forth from, you know, defensive end to tight end. He had one catch in the pinstripe bowl and uh, that was it so far. So, and yeah, Cam Allen, you know, he comes in and, if he asserts himself at that position, that, that will tell you plenty about the uh, the older players at, at that spot. So, um, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of guys on the team, that you could, a number of guys on the team you could go through on this. Um, but uh, as far as the four he mentioned, I think all are cited from right um, just because he's making the position change. It's a little interesting with the other ones. And a uh, little bit of other piece of news that, you know, we mentioned uh, Jake Olson last week uh, transferring number one Jack. kick. Jack Olson. Jake Olson is the blind uh, long snapper from uh, USC, I think. Uh, (laughs) um, But, you know, he he transferred and he landed at Northwestern, if I'm not mistaken. So um, uh, we got a question regarding special teams. How has MSU lost his connection to what has been in the past a great stream of punters and kickers? Kicker you, baby. Uh, I guess I'm asking who's in charge of special teams recruiting and will we see an uptick in emphasis in that area? I know Mel gave you, you know, when you were asking about which team stood out, he did kind of point out the special teams. I don't know if that was just him trying to dodge the question or if he actually meant it. Um, but you talked about the depth, the lack of depth last week. Um, so who is in charge of special teams recruiting? Do you know? 
Well, Ross Sells is his special teams coordinator, so that's up to him. Um, now, special teams overall, they were terrible last year. Um, when I'm speaking more about the coverage units than anything else, you know, they had gave up. I don't remember where they ranked, but oh, like you know, hundred and something in, in punt return defense, and about hundred and something or whatever in, in kick return defense. Two punts for touchdowns they gave up, but you know, I, I mean, I don't know about that, that. It's the question. It's like you know, Jake Hartbarger is only you know one year, one season removed from having him, and he ranks sixth in program history in average yards per punt. You know, he was he, Jake was a really good punter, and you know Matt. Coglin, I, I don't, I know there are people that don't seem to, I don't know. I think he, he think he gets overlooked a little bit, you know, that one bad ranks, year. Kind yeah. Of I mean, he had the bad 19 season, but you know, he ranks fourth in, you know, career field goal percentage in, in program history, third in attempts, uh, second in field goals made, you know, he's never missed an extra point. You know, he's going to end up at the probably in first place in a lot of some of these categories. Um, he's been there for but, nine years. Yeah, this would be a six-year. But, yeah, I mean, losing Jack Olson, I think, stings more than some of these other transfer guys because, you know, you looked at him as, you know, the future uh, as the kicker. You know, he was the number two kicker in the 20 class uh, for uh, Chris Saylor kicking. So that one stings. Um, and then, you know, they, they just don't have – they have, you know, now they have two scholarship kickers, Goglin and, and Cole Hahn, who's coming off knee surgery, and he didn't – he, you know, wasn't able to kick in the uh, spring. So – yeah, questionable there. And then at, at punter, you have Bryce Berenger, the walk-on, and he's the only guy you got. They got, you know, I know Tyler Hunt and Evan Morris arrived as, as walk-on punters, and, you know, Tyler Hunt obviously did it in the uh, was it the 18 season. Um, but they, they're going to have to address it. And, they, and part of this is just, you know, missing. You know, they brought in Jack Boomeister from Australia. Um, he was in the 19 signing class. You know, the idea was you sit there and you, you watch Hartbarger and, and you spend a year and you learn and then you take it over and, you know, after this first season, he decided he didn't, he wasn't mature enough to be in that far away from home. And he just, he went back to Australia. He's now looking to catch on with another program, but um, so you, you miss on that. And uh, they brought in uh, Mitchell Crawford, uh, another Aussie from UTEP as a grad transfer last season. And, you know, he wasn't good enough to beat out Behringer. And when he did get in there, he, you know, he wasn't great. Um, they had a commitment from an the Australian pipeline seems to be drying up here, but uh, Australian East Lansing, let's go. They had a, a commitment from Mark Bassett, another pro kick Australia guy, and uh, he didn't end up signing. Which, if you know anything about pro kick, these guys do not decommit; they don't hunt for offers. So the fact that he was not did not end up being in their signing class will tell me you know, he didn't end up being a take for them. So, uh, but you know, I think of note, you know, they they signed a scholarship long snapper uh, to the twenty one class. Uh, this year, this past winter, in uh, Hank Pepper from from Arizona, and he's an interesting guy because he was like an all-state linebacker. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was like the the area's like defensive player of the year. So, uh, and you when you sign him, you lose your two-year starter Jude Perdurozo to the the portal, and uh, your backup guy uh, walk on uh, Bryce Eimer, He left for the portal too. So, I don't know. Sorry. Going off on a special teams uh, rant, I'm sure that everybody's really interested in all the in the long snappers and the punters. Um, Never has uh, a podcast spent more time on special teams. We cover it yeah. all here at Spartan Confidential. We are a comprehensive Michigan State podcast, and the special teams are special, and they can win or lose games. Just ask Mel Tucker or Mark D'Antonio. Um, but let's just continue on with the last bit of news here. It's kind of an, an unfortunate news podcast as far as Michigan State fans are concerned. Uh, Monty leaves, no draft picks, and now uh, 
Uh, some really unfortunate news. Uh, Stephon Johnson, three-star quarterback, cornerback from uh, Venice High School in Florida, uh, he was signed in the 2021 class, had decommitted from Rutgers and joined the program. He is uh, reportedly facing two felony charges for extortion and directing or promoting sexual performance by a child. Uh, Michigan State has officially informed Johnson that he will not be part of the program after these charges. Matt, uh, obviously some real unfortunate news here. Yeah, and I mean, I don't you know, get into the details really, but it involved him with a girl who was – and the video and she was 15 at the time he was 17 at the time he's now 18 and he was basically threatening to put a video out there and um yeah that's not a good look and i was not surprised in the least that um, michigan state cut ties with him uh, i think mel tucker had an opportunity to send a message um i think you you know this is you know he's he's in year two now but it's still i mean you want to set the tone for certain things um and i think you saw this initially with um, Luke Fulton and, and Charles Willikus, when they got in that fight, um, they got arrested and, you know, they were immediately suspended and they have since both departed through the portal. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's, it's interesting to see how he handled something like this. And I, obviously, I think, you know, with the recent um, sexual assault charges against Michigan State guys that were in 17, I, th- I think this, it's not a good optic, you know, so I don't think you... I don't think you take a risk on a guy like this. Let's be perfectly honest. I mean, you hate to boil it down, but if this was a five-star quarterback, you were banking the future of your program on, I think maybe you think a little bit harder on it. Um, But when you're talking about um, a three-star kid who is quite frankly, a project at corner, you know, this is a guy who played quarterback and and receiver and and a little bit of everything in high school. I think it makes the, the decision easier for you. And I, and honestly, that's the way I think most programs would, would look at it. Yeah, I mean, in this day and age, you just can't have someone like that on your team. I mean, it's just not, it's just not going to fly. I mean, it's, uh, it's he's facing felony charges. I mean, he could be looking at prison time. So, I mean, it's, it's just not a good look. And I think Michigan State right made the right decision uh, for sure because um, you just can't have it. I mean, playing football at major universities is a privilege, and when you do something like this to uh, mess up that privilege, there's going to be consequences. Obviously, he's still a kid. Hopefully he learns from this and can come back from this. Um, people make mistakes, but uh, he's going to face the consequences now and lose his scholarship at Michigan State. So um, that's going to do it for today's episode of M Live Spartan Confidential Podcast. We appreciate everyone for listening with us here today. Uh, if you could please like, rate, and review the podcast. I uh, saw so we got a couple more reviews on Apple Podcasts. Appreciate that very much. Uh, even if some of them just have some constructive criticism. We had one uh, tell us that we have some volume issues sometime, and that's something we've talked about before. Uh, so we're... <laughs> You know, it's, uh, we need to take constructive criticism. We appreciate it uh, in any way how you do it. So uh, hit us up on Twitter. Send us some emails with your questions. As I said before, it is firmly, firmly the offseason now that the NFL draft is behind us. Uh, so we're going to need topics. We're going to need topics. Uh, so send them our way. But uh, for Brandon Champion, Kyle Lawson, and Matt Wenzel, thanks for listening to M Live Spartan Confidential Podcast. We'll talk to you next time. And go green.